Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Mike Rosado. I'm the lead pastor of Fervent Church, and I want to personally invite you to our Easter service right here in Voorhees, New Jersey at 11 a.m. this Sunday. Last Sunday, I started a series called To Be Continued. And guess what? We're doing the second installment. You guessed it. Easter Sunday. We are one church with two locations, but both locations are coming together to celebrate this Easter Sunday. So why don't you join us? It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. You're going to meet some cool people, and I can't wait to meet you there as well. Today is uh, Palm Sunday. And the reason we call it Palm Sunday is because if you open up your Bibles, it says the triumphal entry. This is where Jesus came into town riding on a donkey in preparation for this holy week where he was going to go to the cross. And a lot happened that week. A lot happened that week. Um, And so I'm not going to even focus on Palm Sunday. Everyone, they were coming. As he was coming in, they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, Lord. And it's crazy how the same people that were crying Hosanna were also the same people that said crucify him later on in the week. Just a few days later. And let's not front for a second. Here at Fervent Church, we want you to be vulnerable. We want you to be honest. But there are moments in my life where I'm like, Hosanna, yes, Lord, save me. And then a couple days later, I'm salty towards God. All right? I'm salty. And listen, um, I want you to get comfortable with this. Because if, you, if you're new here and if you're looking for a church, um, I, I'm unapolog- unapologetically, I'm just going to be me. And here's why. All right, I'm going to be unapologetically me because I want you to be unapologetically you. Okay? And, and here's what I believe. I believe that all of us, we, we come with a program. Life has programmed you a certain way. And I believe that God can reprogram you. Okay? But then some of us, there's a program that we have, but then there's a wiring. That is the way God designed you. All right? And God can build on your wiring. That's how he designed you. He designed me like this. Okay? And, and I'm getting healed from my life's programming, but I believe that together as a community, if you come in authentically and I come in authentically, we can lean on each other's wiring and let God and the Holy Spirit work on our programming so that we can be more and more like him. All right? And that's just the way, the only way that starts is like, I'm going to let you do you, but you got to let me be me. Okay? So I know I'm not, yeah, like, I, I always say this, like, I'm not interested in being, like, your theologian's favorite preacher. I'm interested in being your bartender's favorite preacher. All right? That's what I'm interested in doing. All right? I'm interested in, because in, this is what this world needs. The world needs hope. The world needs love. The, the world needs Jesus. And the way we portrayed him hasn't helped us in that mission. So I want to flip it on its head and show people the real Jesus. All right? And what better way to do that than on Palm Sunday? All right? So I want you to be you, and I'm going to be vulnerable, that there are moments, there are all moments in each side of every one of us where we could go from Hosanna to crucify him. We could go from worshiping God together in unity, and it's beautiful on a Sunday to Monday being so upset with him, right? All of us can do that. None of us are above that. Can I get an amen? All right? So we're going to start there with the truth. And that's just the way we are. We're humans. And our emotions will oscillate. It'll go back and forth. And I want to hear you tell you, that is normal. We need to get better, but that is normal. And so I'm doing something a little bit unorthodox today, and I'm starting a two-part series 
that I'm going to finish on Easter. And it's simply titled, To Be Continued. To Be Continued. And here's why. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, let's read this together real quick. We're going to have some fun. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that means everyone of the faith that came before us, they're cheering us on from heaven. We're surrounded by flawed people that put their faith in Jesus. He says, we're surrounded by them. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's a race that is set before us. If you're anything like me, I hate cardio. All right? The only reason I run is from the cops. Come on, somebody. All right? So, pre-Jesus, pre-Jesus, don't judge me. Pre-Jesus. But there is a spiritual race that we're all running that we all need some endurance. And I'm hoping that today we'll start sowing faith into your endurance. That you're going to keep on, even in those moments where your emotions oscillate. So watch this. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. The author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. Listen to me. Whatever you're going through right now. Many of us, we've gone through stuff from 2020 to 2023. Raise your hand if you've gone through stuff. Okay? So this message is for you. We've gone through stuff. And there are moments, there are moments where things happen and we declare failure. We declare misfortune. We declare that's it. It's over. All of us have had those moments, right? That's it. I'm done. I quit. All of us have gotten to that place and that point. But I want to remind us all, and I'm preaching to myself too, that he is the author and finisher of our faith. If he is the author and the finisher of our faith, we cannot be the editors of our faith. Okay? If he's the author and finisher of our faith, we can't. In other words, let's not put periods where God wants to put commas. All right? And we get there. We do get there. It's like I, I remember in my life, oh, man, we hit this point in starting the church. And then you talk about storms. Last night we had a storm. I remember when we first started Fervent Church, Hurricane Sandy hit us. And I thought, that's it. It's over. I did all this work. I raised all this money just to just sit here and do nothing with it because now we have this obstacle before us. I was tempted to put a period, but God wanted to place a comma. And if we're going to focus, if our faith is going to grow, he needs to be the author, editor, and finisher of our faith. Stop editing the story that God is writing. Because listen to me, to quote, to quote the prophet Lenny Kravitz, it ain't over till it's over. All right? It ain't over till it's over. All right? I'm like, what is he talking about? Is that like a real prophet? No, it's not. And so, here in this Holy Week, 
We start off with Palm Sunday. He has his triumphal entry, right? And then it goes on. And if you came from a Catholic background like myself, there's certain things that happen throughout the week. But I want to actually focus on Thursday. We call it Monday Thursday. And that's where Jesus has his last supper with his 12. Okay? So think about it. He... He gets into town, he's being celebrated, and then it's Passover, so he wants to have a Passover meal because he knows what's about to happen on Friday. So the day before, he says, hey, guys, find a room somewhere, and we're going to have supper together. And so I I didn't have enough room to have 12 people up here. (laughs) But I want to invite you to this illustration of six of the 12. There was 12 disciples, six of the 12. And, and I need some help from the audience, some people that will help me illustrate this, all right? So hopefully, hopefully you came camera ready. Because <laughs> I'm going to invite some people up, right? So the first one, I need a Peter. And Peter was a control freak. Okay. So I need a control freak real quick. Control freak, yeah? Come on. Right there with the cardigan. Yeah, yeah, come on. Now I know, listen, don't at me. I know the disciples were all males, but come on up. And as she makes her way up, uh, so I I got a Peter, and then I'm going to need two people for this one, James and John. James and John. Two right there? All right. James and John were prideful, so you guys are going to represent pride today. (laughs) The sons of thunder are coming up, right? So right here, you can sit right there. Peter's going to sit at the head of the table there. Um, (laughs) This is going to get fun. Um, I need a Judas. Y'all can sit right here, right? I need a Judas. Somebody's raising their hand to be Judas. Come on up. Why not? Wow. Judas, Judas is selfish. Uh, so I need, uh, <laughs> I need a Philip. Philip, these people, these are the people that like, um, it has to make sense or it doesn't make sense. Right? You don't like uncertainty. Right? You don't like uncertainty. John, why not, come on, John. Your wife's just diming, diming you out right there. And, uh, and last one, I need a Thomas. I need someone with doubt. That hand right there, why not? Come on down. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So we're going uh, to have communion with these guys um, as they make their way up. And so let me kick this over real quick. This is wine. <gasps> but... It is alcohol-free, sugar-free wine, which we call a why bother. Okay? So. (laughs) Y'all like that? Sugar-free, alcohol-free, why bother? So as I'm pouring this out, you guys, we're actually going to take communion with the disciples today. So uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. So you can grab your communion cups. 
and we're going to take communion together. And I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. You guys all right in the spotlight like this? You feel, you're feeling this a little too much, bro. All right. I'm kidding. You loving it? So Luke 22, starting at verse 14. If you don't have a communion cup, just raise your hand and someone will help you. So this is what it says. It says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with them. You know what I love here? Stop for a second. Here, they stop calling them disciples and they start calling them apostles. Even though I know for a fact they didn't feel that way. But he started calling them apostles. So then he sat with them, and watch this, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So we're going to take communion together with the disciples. So if you're a part of the body of Christ, you don't have to be a part of our church, but part of the body of Christ, let's partake together. And then he said, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he says, take this and divide it amongst yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Take now and remember the blood of Jesus in your life. Then he took the bread and he says, this bread will be broken for you. So take and pass it. We're making a hot mess up here. Yeah, break it. And he says, this is my body that is broken for you. This body represents healing. And I know I flipped it. You're supposed to do the bread before the wine, but I did that on purpose. And here's why, because I wanted to explain something about the bread. Here's the cool part, that there's parts in the Bible where it says that when they took communion, the early church, when they took communion, people were being healed. There's healing in the body. There's healing. So he's presenting this to them, and they all have their different issues. But just know this, that Jesus is always leading you to a place of healing. He's always leading you to a place of healing. Take now and remember the body that was broken for you. So here we see this story unfold with these disciples. And I want to hit you with three things that are going to lead us to not put periods where God wants to put commas. So here's the first one. First one is this. Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what's coming. From Peter's denial to Judas's betrayal. He knows, I know he's a good man. I can feel it as he's still eating his bread. <laughs> he knows what's coming. And what does that mean to you? We have to stop acting as though Jesus is surprised of the stuff that happens in our lives. You might be surprised, but Jesus is not surprised. Jesus is not surprised that you were cheated on. Jesus is not surprised that someone stole from you. Jesus is not surprised that someone is speaking negatively about you. 
Jesus is not surprised that you got fired. He's not surprised about the economy. He's not surprised about the hurt that you just experienced. Jesus is not surprised. But if they understood, if they understood that Jesus knew what was coming, they would have paid attention more. Because he said it. He said it. He said, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. And they still weren't prepared. Early on in his ministry, he said this, I'm going to tear this temple down and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. He was dropping hints after hints after hint. Why? Because he knew what was coming. And I think what establishes our faith more than anything else is to have a trust that Jesus knows what is coming. The Bible describes faith as this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things I've seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. Which this, People of faith, we need to materialize it even though we don't see it. So we need to materialize this trust that we have in Jesus. That goes, he knew what was coming even though I didn't know what was coming. He told Peter, Peter, he told you, you're going to deny me three times. He told them that. He told them at, at the table, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And everybody just looked at him. <laughs> Jesus knows what's coming. And you might think for a second, well, if he knew, if he knows what's coming, then why didn't he stop it? Am I talking to anybody today? Then why didn't he stop it? Because I don't think he cares. He cares less about the it and he cares more about you. This is hard, but this is truth. He cares more about your comfort. I mean, he cares less about your comfort and more about the development of your character. So he will leverage painful situations just to grow you because he loves you. And he knows what's coming. Here's the second point. Jesus is preparing you for what's coming. He, he would be a jerk if he just knew what was coming. But we have to understand in our faith that he is preparing you for what's coming. His grace knows how to make in-flight adjustments. Whatever you're going through, let's just say this theologically, whatever you're going through... It's either because you made a mistake or the enemy is attacking you. But it doesn't matter the source. All that matters is his finish line. All right? Because sometimes it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Let me say that again. Some of you who've been traumatized and, and you're a victim, it's not your fault. I promise you, I mourn with you, it is not your fault. Just the other day, our boys had a sleepover, and they had a bunch of friends over. And, and I remember telling my youngest, hey, you got to go clean your room. He goes, I, I didn't make that mess. I didn't make that mess. You're right, you didn't make that mess. Your friends made that mess. It's not your fault, but it's still your responsibility. It's not your fault, but it's still your, whatever mess that's in your life right now, it might, not, it might be, but it might not be your fault. But your healing is still your responsibility. It's still your responsibility. But Jesus is the master at in-flight adjustments. So he will work it out for the good of those who love him. 
So regardless of the source, he has a finish line in mind. He's the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible doesn't put always in front of plan, all right? We think that the plan always has to stay intact. No, but it all, you know what the Bible does put it always in front of? Always be prepared. And so he's always prepared. If he's asking us to be prepared, he's always preparing you for something. So what if instead of us oscillating, going from Hosanna to crucify him, instead of us oscillating, go, okay, God, to ask the question, what are you preparing me for? What are you preparing me for? Maybe there's, an issue, there's a situation going on in your relationship. God, what are you preparing me for? Maybe you've gone some, some really, really tough times this year. God, what are you preparing me for? Because he's the master at in-flight adjustments. And get over this, that James and John, they were, they were, they were prideful dudes. Because even in the midst of all this stuff happening in this holy week, you know what y'all knuckleheads did? You asked Jesus... Can we sit on your right and left hand side? Sons of thunder, get over yourself. <laughs> That's what they were, they were focused on that. So, so Peter will represent control issues. These guys were pretty prideful. Judas will represent selfishness. Okay. Then you have Philip. Philip, right? Sure. <laughs> Philip <laughs> needs certainty. It has to make sense. Philip was a dude, he was just like, hey, wait a minute, how are we going to feed all these people? We're going to need like about a half a year's wage. He literally said this, we're going to need a half a year's wage to feed all these people. How are you going to do this? He was also the person to say, Jesus is trying to talk about the Father, and, and, and they're like, and Philip was like, um, can you show us the Father? And Jesus is like, fool, you're looking right at him right now. But Philip, sorry, Philip. Philip needed certainty in that. I remember Doubting Thomas. What did he say? Because unless I put my finger on the wound, I will not believe that it's really Jesus. All of us, whatever situation you're in, whatever personality that you could mirror up here, God's going to leverage all of those things to prepare you for something. He's preparing you for something. Will you allow him? Because he knows what's coming. And he's preparing you for what's coming. And here's the last point. Y'all all right? Here's the last point. Um, even though it happened, Jesus knows more is coming. Jesus knows more is coming. Even it happened. And what do I mean by this? The crazy part is God kind of, like Jesus kind of stepped out of time and space a little bit. Because when he said, when he took the cup, he goes, do this in remembrance of me. He asked them to remember something he didn't even do yet. To remember something he didn't even do yet. I think he was trying to stretch their faith in the moment to say this, that there's always more. When you see something is done, something is finished, in your eyes, we see that it's done, it's finished. Some of us who, maybe you've gone through a divorce, you think that's it, it's finished. Maybe you've gone through a death. You think, that's it, it's finished. And throughout the story of Jesus, we kind of see him helping them, giving them opportunities to not trust their eyes. To not trust their eyes. He wanted them to see beyond the moment. Right before this, 
I think on Saturday, he shows up to Bethany, the place of Bethany. And Bethany was where his boy Lazarus was. And what happened with Lazarus? He was raised from the dead. So he shows up there, and what happens? That's when he gets anointed with perfume. Some of you remember this story. He gets anointed with perfume by this prostitute. Think of this imagery for a second. So he goes back to this place to get anointed. And usually when you get anointed, you get anointed before your burial. So he's constantly dropping these nuggets. And I can't imagine what these guys felt. What did these guys feel between Friday and Sunday? Right? Peter probably felt defeated. He warned you. He warned you that you were going to deny him three times and all of a sudden, boom, you do it. So that control issue that you have, you finally hit the realization that you're really not in control. Right? You're really not in control. That, that you want to sit on your right and his right and your left, like you, you, you took a big L on Friday. You're not sitting anywhere. Judas, you came to the realization that what you did was horrible to the point where you had to consider suicide. Philip and Thomas, you don't even know where they went after this. We just see them later avoiding the rest of the disciples in their engagement in community. Jesus wasn't afraid of their control issues, their pride, their selfishness, their need for certainty, nor their doubt. Because he saw more. He saw more. Jesus saw, yeah, Peter was going to deny him three times. But he also saw Peter preaching at the day of Pentecost. Okay? All right? He, he saw more. And some of us, we need to have faith in what Jesus sees more in us. James and John, like, John, he saw past your pride, and he saw you writing the last book of the Bible, Revelations. He wasn't, he, he knew we're gonna, the pride was going to get worked out. James, he saw James leading and discipling people in Jerusalem where it all started. He saw it. He saw, he saw what, what Judas was going to do and yet still utilized it to create a wave to make the ultimate sacrifice for humanity. Yo, Philip, he saw Philip. This is crazy. He saw Philip preach in Egypt. He died preaching in Egypt. Imagine going back to the place of slavery and preaching the gospel. He saw Thomas bring the gospel to India and Iran. Some of you who, who are from India, the reason that you're a Christian today is because of doubting Thomas. Even though you, you would think, oh, that's it, it's over, we're done, throw in the towel, you, we have to believe that Jesus has more in store for us. We have to believe it. And for us to have a have a to-be-continued element in our faith. And I'm not asking you, listen to me, I'm not asking you to understand what he's doing. Notice I didn't say that. I don't want you to understand what he's doing. We don't have to understand it. We have to just trust in the one leading us through it. 
you might not understand it. It might not make sense until we're in heaven. And we have to be people of faith to plant trees that we might not need, never even eat from. Because it's not for our glory, sons of thunder. It's for the glory of God. Amen? To be continued. And so...